special guest with us. Um, we're going to have Jenna Goldsmith on, who is the Assistant Director of the Women's Gender and Sexuality Studies Program at ISU. We're very excited to talk to her today. So, my name is Kylie. My name's Marissa. My name's Catherine. Oh, and I'm Jenna. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's jump right in. Um, do you want to tell us about your latest publication, which is um, called There is No College in COVID Selections from the Oregon State University Cascades Journaling Project? Yeah, so um, this project began um, actually right around the time of everything else shutting down. Mm -hmm. So um, I was at the time at Oregon State University Cascades, which is a small branch campus of OSU um, in Bend, Oregon. Mm -hmm. And I was responsible for teaching a course that we um, affectionately called You Engage, but essentially it was a college readiness course. So students could enroll in it if they wanted to to uh, become acclimated to the university culture. And the capstone project for the course was um, an interviewing project that the students um, would do two interviews a week with campus community members, and it would go towards this larger thing that we were working on. When we went to remote, um, I did not want the students to be on Zoom any more than they had to. Mm -hmm. I felt like they were kind of burnt out with that. so. I had to re-envision the course and I decided, um, you know, wouldn't it be nice if the students had something that they could look back on in 20 years and think, oh my gosh, I was a first year college student during a pandemic, how unique is that? And I knew that they wouldn't probably be doing a lot of journaling on their own because they're first year college mm -hmm. students and that's mm -hmm. not typical. So. Um, I said, why don't we revamp the course? Um, they'll do two um, journal entries a week, which will combine in a 10 week course to make like a good amount of, of journal entries. Mm -hmm. And then, um, midway through, I was like, oh my gosh, these are incredible. They were, I mean, they were just turning mm -hmm. them in via online, but I was like, these are very, very compelling. Um, they're very moving. Mm -hmm. You know, students were talking about deaths in the family and what it was like to be in isolation and all this stuff. And so I thought we should, we should try to make something of this. And so with the student's permission, we sought out a grant. Um, we got the grant. We sought out a, a publisher. We decided to go with a publisher that would uh, self-publish the book, um, a small press out of Cleveland, Ohio. Um, and then we did it and it came out in December and all of the uh, proceeds for the book go back to the food pantry um, at Oregon State University Cascades. So um, it's almost like a fundraiser in a way for the students. Um, so that's that's how it began. Wow, that's really cool. Yeah. That yeah. is really cool. I know, uh, like I know, when COVID started, my mom had kept encouraging me to like, oh, you need to journal about this. You need to write about this. This is like monumental and and something that's never even happened before. So it's really interesting to see um, that so many other people have done that, and that it's now a collection of it mm -hmm. that a lot of other people can relate to as well. Yeah. Well, especially because like even though we're all going through it, everyone has such different experiences. So there's like something new to write about every day. Yeah. Yeah. So how do you think that the process of creating this book was different than the other products that you've worked on in the past? Mm. Well, you know, the, from the beginning, the, this project I never really had ownership of on purpose. Um, I wanted to be a conduit to the students' work, but I didn't want it to 
um, be something that felt like, you know, mine because it was really theirs. Um, I had a hand in it, of course. I, you know, was kind of in charge of editing the material and, you know, getting the money and then um, getting it to press. But, but really it was theirs. And I had a very small piece in the process of them actually writing. I did very, very minimal editing. Um, I only edited for clarity and, you know, grammar and sentence mm-hmm. level stuff, but everything else is, is theirs. So I wanted them to have real ownership of it, um, which of course is different from other things that I've published because, it, uh, you know, at the end of the day, whatever is on the pages is, you know, the buck stops with me and I have to account for it. But with them, you know, all of the entries are theirs. I wrote a very short introduction to the book to sort of contextualize it for the mm-hmm. reader. And then the um, vice president of the university wrote a short, like, forward, um, again, to kind of contextualize the project. So, you know, that's really how it's very, very different from stuff that I've published published in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, and it also, you know, for a poet, I don't expect very much um, attention, <laughs> I guess. You know, like, I'm not – I'm – just a humble poet who's Uh publishing my work. But this, this got a lot of attention Mm -hmm. because of exactly what you said. So many people cared about Mm -hmm. what the students were going through. And so um, there's been a lot of press around the book. um, And I'm so happy because um, I think that it is truly the most genuine way of seeing what first-year students were going through at that time. Mm -hmm. Um, It's one thing to be like a senior which is it's sad, sad in its own right of, mm-hmm. of being remote at that time. And somebody should gather up stories from seniors, mm-hmm. too. It's probably somebody has. But first-year students had a really interesting experience as well. So Well, especially because, like, some of them were coming out of high school being transferred to, like, online and yeah. then having mm-hmm. to jump right into more online schooling. Yes. And they're missing yeah. out on that first-year experience. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. That's really interesting. Uh, but do you think, like... So, like, there's a lot of, like, different things where people are like, oh, my creativity during COVID completely wiped out because they were stuck at home. Do you think COVID has helped or, like, not helped to create a wider array of creativity in students? Or do you think, like, there's good and bad? It, it feels so much like whoever you talk to has some different perspective. Um, a student of mine recently was writing about how, and I, I pushed them a little bit on this because I was really interested in, in this. I don't know if I got a response, but um, they were saying that the, the pandemic, and this sounds more trite than it is, but the pandemic was really the best thing that ever happened to them. And I think I know what they mean. I think mm-hmm. for them it had to do with the way that they learn was better facilitated in a remote mm-hmm. setting. Um, I don't think that they meant that it was the best thing that ever happened to them personally, maybe, um, you know, but I I think that it has facilitated different things for different people. And, you know, for this project, there were some students um, in the book who dabbled with different forms of expression. So there's actually some like poems in the book that I don't think the person who wrote them had ever written poetry mm-hmm. before. Um, you know, there were lots of students in the class who had never journaled before. Um, so that was a new genre for them, certainly a way of, of being creative. And 
maybe something that they continued on. I I don't know, but I like to think that maybe it was a practice that Mm -hmm. people did beyond the class. Um, So I think it did facilitate creativity in some ways, and in other ways it really squashed creativity. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah, that makes sense. Um, So moving on to, like, a little bit of a different question, do you have a favorite genre of literature? And if so, what genre would you say is your favorite? Um, I would have to say poetry. Yes. Although it wasn't always my favorite okay, genre. Yeah. I, I always tell my students a story because I, I like to think that it give, it might give them like hope or something, yeah. but I was not a poet nor a reader of poetry in high school. In fact, I dreaded the poetry unit, yeah. right? There was always like one unit mm-hmm. where we yeah. would, yeah. it was like, next week we're starting our poetry unit. <laughs> oh no. Yeah. what you mean. Yeah. <laughs> I think we've all been there. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, I think that I, I had a very typical sort of development around it wherein I took a class and had a professor Mm -hmm. that changed everything for me. And then um, when I came to ISU, I also, I took another class that I was never supposed to take, actually. This is a funny story. Um, I thought I had gotten, I went to the community college first. I thought I had um, gotten my creative uh, creative writing workshop out of the way. Mm Because I had taken one. Yeah. But when I submitted it to ISU, they were like, oh, no, you have to take another <laughs> workshop. And I remember going into the um, stairwell in Stevenson and calling my mom crying because I was like, Mark Vector is making oh me my God. <laughs> And, of course, I love I loved Mark Vector. But I, I just remember thinking, like, this is such an injustice. Like, somehow yeah. it yeah. was so personal. And... You know, Mark was like, you have to do it. Yeah. You know? yeah. And by the way, there's only one slot left in this one poetry write, writing class. And I was like, oh, no. Yeah. I don't like You're poetry. You're like, okay. I, this is going to be terrible. So, of course, it wasn't. And in fact, it completely changed my life. That sounds so cliche, but it did. I absolutely loved it. I got super into poetry. I ended up going to grad school for poetry. Um, I wrote my dissertation on poetry. I mean, it just, it, it changed everything when it came to the genre that I liked. So poetry is my favorite, but it, it wasn't always that Mm -hmm. way. And I think that once I was able to get out of the mindset that there was some kind of big mysterious code that needed to be cracked, Mm -hmm. um, it really lessened the pressure of reading poetry, Um, And I'll never forget the professor that day. I'm not going to name any names, but they'll know who they are if they listen to this. Um, Got up in front of the class and started reading um, this long poem by Lynn Hedginian called Happy. And I just thought, that is poetry? Like, that's poetry. Mm -hmm. I would have never known. And I wanted to read and write that kind of poetry. So it it was amazing. That's really cool. Yeah, that is really cool. You'll have to tell us later who the, the I, yeah. professor was. <laughs> Spill the tea. Yeah. <laughs> we won't. We won't publish it, but we'll know. Yeah, yeah we'll know. <laughs> so, how do you incorporate feminism into your reading and writing? Hmm. Well, I my background is in WGSS and English, mm-hmm. so I have a you know theoretical toolkit that's that I have, you know I've learned theory over the years. So that's sort of the easy answer is that. Mm-hmm. You know, my training is such that I'm used <clears throat> used to applying 
theory to the literature that I'm reading, but the less easy answer is being able to identify and really observe how feminism um, can help us understand our everyday lives. And that's what I try to teach in my WGS 120 class is that when we use you know, feminist theory or feminism as a tool or a lens, we can see how many of the things going on around us are happening to us without our knowledge or our permission. I say that to my students all the time yeah. because I want them to be able to observe how, you know, systems are working and how inequality is working so that they can do something about it. Yeah. Um, last week in class, we looked at a series of um, laws and, and amendments. So we looked at like the Hyde Amendment, Roe v. Wade. We looked at Planned Parenthood versus Casey. And I, you know, the students were very unfamiliar with these, with these policies um, and statutes. And we identified ways in which they impact us every day and we don't realize it. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that that's the most important thing that feminism teaches us is that um, we are made to um, kind of be... You know, this stuff is happening to us, but that we actually do have more more power than we think. So I always bring that lens to whatever I'm reading, um, even if it's seemingly not, I guess, um, linked mm-hmm. to, you know, feminism or yeah. feminist theory. I, I think that it's a useful lens to bring to any piece of writing or, mm-hmm. um, you know, any any reading that you're doing. Yeah. I've seen, um, this is just something that I'm kind of curious about, but I've seen a lot of, that a lot of people have kind of like a negative connotation around the term feminist. Mm -hmm. What would you have to say about that, about the association that people have with that word? Um, I, I think that a lot of the negative association with feminism comes out of, um, the patriarchy. I mean, we live Mm -hmm. in a patriarchy, right? So Mm -hmm. any kind of movement that seeks to... Um, poke holes in in it is Mm -hmm. going to get a bad rap Um, and so you know feminism seeks to identify the ways in which um, not just women are you know oppressed but all people are oppressed by patriarchy men included Um, and and so I think it's it's kind of the next step that patriarchy would be like oh you know feminism is for old crones or like feminism Mm -hmm. is you know so 20th century or we live in a post-feminist world you hear that one a lot right Mm -hmm. um and in fact you know we don't i mean it's look around you right we Mm -hmm. still are we still need feminism and probably always will so um i would i would ask people to consider what the um you know why feminism is important why it could be important to them um and think less about maybe what feminism as a you know capital F feminism mm-hmm. has meant to them in the past. Come to it with an open mind. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that's something like Dr. Ella, you'll find this out like next semester mm-hmm. when you take her class. Mm-hmm. But like Dr. Ella really drove that home for us, like about everyone that's oppressed, like in our publishing class, like our histories and theories of publishing of, like, being more respectful, being more, like, open-minded mm-hmm. and making sure, like, everyone has a voice, not just those who, like, the big five deem publishable. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, it's really cool to hear you talk about this because when I took the WGS 120 class my freshman year, I feel like that class kind of changed my life, and that's what made me want to minor in WGS mm-hmm. studies. So um, I think it's really cool to hear. Yeah, I wish I had more time here because I would love to take more classes. Yeah. But like, mm-hmm. I would have loved to minor in, in something yeah. something yeah. that I was interested in. But yeah. but we transferred like when it was Zoom University, so it was like it was hard to do anything. Yeah, really. we had to yeah. squeeze like all of our English classes in to graduate. Quote-unquote, on time, yeah. 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 But um, one question that we did have was, like, how has your position as both a former English major and now the current assistant director of the Women, Genders, and Sexuality Studies program at ISU influenced your own writing and teaching? I know you kind of talked about it a little bit, but if you want to explain a little more. I have had a really wonderful um, experience at ISU from start start until now. you know, I was a reluctant ISUer, I guess, when I started mm-hmm. here. Um, I felt I, I wanted, I did not have a good experience, we'll just put it that way, mm-hmm. at first. Um, I was living in Watterson, and now I love Watterson. Like, I think it's such a weird, wacky environment. <laughs> but at the time, it was just very overwhelming. I immediately got sick when I moved here uh. because that's what happens when you go to college and, you know, living in Watterson. Um, you pick up, like, the Watterson mm-hmm. virus. <laughs> and um, so I was just very – I was having a hard time. And, you know, pretty quickly, though, I found my footing and I really enjoyed being an English major. I was super tight with this, like, group of people within English, mm-hmm. um, wonderful professors, and a lot of that wonderfulness had to do with the um, the cohesiveness of English and WGSS in particular. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's why it's one of the most popular minors for English majors because there's a lot of cohesion there, a lot of yeah. similar faculty, the faculty overlap. So that was really wonderful for me. Um, it was a very easy way to blend my interests. Um, now, as a staff, it's it's surreal. It's weird in some ways to be back here in this role because I was also a graduate student, so I taught English 101 mm-hmm. for a semester. And um, but now, you know, now as a as kind of like a real staff member, it's it's weird um, because in some ways, you know, it feels like just yesterday I was here as a student, but in other ways, so much has changed at ISU, and students are so different now than they were when I was a student. Mm-hmm. It's just so different. Um, you know, I I came here and I there were no smartphones. I mean, you know, like yeah. there um, we had just gotten Facebook. You know, yeah. it, I mean, it's just it's the culture is probably like so yeah. different. Um, and so, as a staff person now in WGSS, I feel like I can bring to the table what I knew as an ISU student because some things never change. But also, you know, tricks of the trade that I've picked up along the the years that I've been gone. Um, that I you know gathered when I was a PhD student and then at my first job, and try to you know, create some synergies between those things if possible. Mm-hmm. Probably helps, like, I mean, like, I would love to have a professor that, like, went to ISU because, like, I don't know, I feel like you can form a bond being like, oh, hey, I, I'm i here, yeah. and, like, you were here, so you were yeah. once in my shoe. So it's kind of like, I don't know, there's, like, a different comfort yeah. level talking to a professor that's been here. Almost like a mentor kind of yeah. Yeah, kind of yeah. feel, which is nice. 
Yeah, and I always tell my students, you know, if you have questions about the campus or if you have, um, if you need help and, and, you know, a certain way, I feel like to some extent I can guide people. Um, Or if you just want to talk about, you know, how hard it is to drive on 39 in the winter, also (laughs) your girl, like, right? Like, there's all those little things um, that I, I can bring to the table in a way that, a different person might not be able to. Um, so I like that, you know, yeah. I like that. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. So who are some of your favorite authors or some of your favorite books mm. or poems? Or it could be both since you yeah. weren't always a fan <laughs> exactly. of poetry. Exactly. Right. Um, I read a lot of, so the big, most of the um, books that I read are either poetry or nonfiction. Okay. Yeah. Um, I do read some fiction, But um, it kind of goes in, like, waves. Like, I'll get really into fiction, and then I'll read a lot of fiction, and then I won't read any fiction for Mm -hmm. a long time. Um, But what's really steadfast is I read a lot of nonfiction, a lot of poetry. And I'm really obsessed right now. I guess you could say the last maybe, like, five years, I've gotten really obsessed with the law. So I read a lot of kind of layperson's law nonfiction. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, and, like, so, for instance, I just read um, a book about, um, called The, the um, oh, what is it called? Um, it's by an, it's by a, a ex-lawyer. Well, mm-hmm. I guess she's still a lawyer, but um, sh- her name is Jill Winebanks, and she wrote a book called The Watergate Girl, which mm-hmm. is um, about her experience being a prosecutor of Richard Nixon. Oh um, wow! Oh, that sounds That's interesting. Yeah. That's really interesting. <laughs> yeah, add that to the list. <laughs> yeah, so it's part memoir, but also full of legal stuff, right? Yeah. Um, and it's just fascinating to to read that perspective. Um, but I also I still read poetry. Um, I recently got really into a poet named Joanna Klink, um, who you all should, if you ever love like a writer, you should write to them um, because they love, writers love receiving like fan mail. Yeah. So I read a poem by Joanna Klink um, a couple years ago, and it was in the very last issue of Tin House, which was a magazine that I really loved reading, and it's now defunct. But it was in the last issue of it, and I was like, oh, my gosh, I love this poem. So I wrote to her, and I said, I love the poem. And she wrote right back, and she said, thank you so much. That means so much, and I'll be looking for your poetry. Wow. So I was like, ah. Wow, like, that's oh my gosh. so amazing. Cool. Yeah, it was amazing. So yeah. I always tell people to write to write to their, you know, the authors that they like reading. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. we think of... You know, social media now, it's so easy to follow somebody. So you can follow people. You know, I follow a lot of writers on Twitter, but that's not the same as interacting with them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they don't think about it the same way either. I think that they would much rather have somebody, you know, email them than just, like, tweet at them. Yeah. 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 More personal. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I highly recommend doing that. Um, I The poet that I wrote some of my dissertation on um, – Juliana Spar, she continues to be my absolute like all-time favorite uh, poet. She has a lot of books, um, and you know we were kind of joking about YA before we started. The yeah. Podcast. But I actually read a, a phenomenal YA book. I didn't realize that it was YA. Not that that would have changed my reading of it. Um, 
but it was it's called um, You Should See Me in a Crown. I've seen oh my gosh, I, I actually really want to read that. <laughs> um, by Leah Johnson, I think is, oh my the, gosh. is the author, and it is, I loved it. I heard I, it's really good. It's really, really good. <laughs> and she has a new book out too, which I admit I haven't read yet, but she's from Indiana. She like lives in Indiana. So cool. yeah. um, she's a Midwesterner, and so I... You know, secret. I hope that I can meet her someday. Yeah, yeah. that's me with all my favorite things. Yeah. I'm, like, yeah. I'm like, I'll come to you. Right. Yeah. yeah exactly. Oh my gosh, that's so, so cool. cool. Yeah. I was. Um. I just started this book called uh, The Dance of Thieves. Was that it? Yeah, Dance of Thieves. And I was kind of. I was talking to Marissa about it at some point. That it. It kind of feels like. Um, since it's YA and I'm technically not a young adult anymore, <laughs> I'm always like, oh, like, should I be reading this mm-hmm. or should I like try and gear myself toward adult fiction? That's what like my mom is telling me that all the time. She's like, you need to, you should get out of the fantasy. You should get out of the YA fantasy. And I was like, but I love it. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on that? On like sticking with <laughs> the same genre or anything like that? I, I am all about reading whatever uh, whatever you want yeah. I mean Me really too. truly read whatever you want and I think that like YA is a really interesting genre right now because for instance you should see me in a crown is about um, a young person a young woman who meets another young woman and they like fall in love mm-hmm. and they did not have YA like that when I was young right like there were no young people's or like adolescent literature around like the LGBTQ community. Yeah. And so for me, when I go back and read YA stuff, it doesn't feel like YA to me because it's like adult, you know, it's like, it feels yeah. more adult. And, um, I think it's because again, it didn't exist back then. Right. Um, when I was a YA person. <laughs> so, to me, it almost is like I'm reading about my own life or mm-hmm. something. Yeah. Um, except way I was way less cool than any of the people in these books. <laughs> yeah. That's why nobody was writing about me. But, um, I feel but, that. Yeah. Maybe one day. Maybe I one day. That. Someone's going to be like, I want to write about All the these other. like fantasy and dystopian protagonists. Yes. So I'm like, I wish that was me. Right? Or maybe somebody will write like a book about ISU and, yeah. and yeah. I'll just be, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's definitely crazy, like, especially on the poetry side, like, because all of us, we've, we've had, like, power, like, probably poetry assignments, like, but for our 254 class, for Press 254, mm-hmm. we both worked, or all three of us worked on two poetry chapbooks, yeah. so we had Phil Spotswood, Nodded, and then Becca Meyer, mm-hmm. um, Small Wings, Small Wings yeah. so it's so interesting to, like, work on a, like, poetry book versus, like, a chapter book or, like, yeah. a novel. Yeah. Especially since most of us want to go into publishing like actual novels, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. But it was it's definitely like interesting to see like the connections, but like it's so different at the same time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was nice to get like an exposure to mm-hmm. different genres because yeah. that's not like the genre that I had pictured myself going into. Um, and who knows, like I could, but mm-hmm. um, it was interesting getting like different exposure, which I thought is going to really help me as a publishing major. Yeah. And then, like, do you have any feminist role models that have influenced you or your work? Oh, yes. Um, I have, you know, I have many feminist role models right here at ISU that have been hugely influential to me, my professors here, um, as well as at the community college that I went to. Um, One of my first um, 
exposures to literature and writing was a, a, a professor at Rock Valley College um, named Molly Sides. If she hears this, she'll probably like call me and chew me out for doing this, embarrassing her. But she was really one of the first people who said, who treated me seriously, I guess, in academia. Um, and it's not that other professors hadn't, but she just took me very seriously, you know? I felt like a serious reader, a serious writer, like a serious person. Yeah. Um, which really gave me a lot of confidence. Um, and I just, yeah, I can, we continue to communicate and, um, she was really special to me and, um, and then other, you know, people in my family, my mom, my grandma, um, they have been hugely influential to me and, and raising me. Um, and then people, you know, people in the media and even fictional characters, I mean, in books, Mm -hmm. right. Um, in television shows, like I was a huge, and now I realize that this is a, a complicated TV show with a, a lot of, I mean, speaking of feminism, but I was a huge like Buffy. Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. I love Marissa Buffy. Loves yeah. Buffy. <laughs> <laughs> I love that show. I mean, I again, it is complicated now because yeah. of Joss Whedon and all of the stuff mm-hmm. that that entails. But I still watch it on its own terms. Yeah. Yes, I still watch it now. Yeah. I mean, I'll just, the other day, I had my Hulu going, and for some reason, like, I was watching this show, and I don't know why, but Buffy was, like, queued up into the next episode, <laughs> and so all of a sudden, I hear, like, Spike's voice yeah. coming out of the computer, <laughs> like, who's talking to me? Um, but, You're yeah. like, I don't remember him You're being like, in the show. No. <laughs> yeah. So, like, you know, something like that, which many people would maybe laugh at me saying, but... I learned a tremendous amount uh, about feminism um, from something like that, mm-hmm. from, from a TV show. Um, so, you know, I, I, I think that it's important to have um, an expansive view of what influences us and not just, you know, um, it's not that Gloria Steinem isn't the end-all be-all to me, but it's, it's been so much more mm-hmm. um, that has influenced my idea ideas about feminism yeah yeah i would definitely say like buffy was such a strong character that like she could do anything mm-hmm. and yeah. like she was like very influential even for me and like yeah. i i grew up like where the show has already aired mm-hmm. so like i i still watch it i have it on dvd like everything <laughs> we'll have to talk about it sometime yeah, yeah for sure so as someone who, um, since we're all, we would all like to be writers of some sort yeah. someday, what advice would you have to somebody who wants to write their own book and who would like to go and, and take that leap? You hear so much advice around this, right? And you can buy a million books that mm-hmm. will tell you, you know, how to be a writer. Um, I think you have to do it. Like you have to actually start doing mm-hmm. it. Um because it will get done eventually if you have, like, a book in mind. I had a uh, professor that I had at the University of Kentucky who – she wasn't my professor, but I TA'd for her. She was a creative writing professor. Um, and she had – I would go to her office when we would be, you know, talking about grading papers or whatever. And on her desktop of her computer, her screensaver said, start anywhere. And I always, always, always – she herself was a writer. I always remember that because I think what's hardest – what's most hard about the writing process is starting. 
and taking oneself seriously and sitting down and just putting pen to paper and doing it because you, you know, you can't do it until you do it. Mm -hmm. Um, And then you have something, right? You have something that you can actually start to mold, you know, you have the clay. So Mm -hmm. um, you can't submit anything. You can't publish something. You can't self-publish. You can't send it out anywhere. You can't do anything until you have something that you can work with. Mm -hmm. So I just, I think that people should just do it. You know, if you have a novel in mind, try to get some words down on on paper. Um, If you have, you know, a poetry book in mind, just try to get 20 poems on paper Mm -hmm. um, and just go from there. Because if I think the chances are if you can get a critical mass of words on the page, um, I mean, the, think about it. The chances of you actually getting that into readers' hands go up astronomically, yeah. Yeah. right? Because it'll find an audience. You'll be able to figure out how to publish it. But most of the time, what I think hinders people is just they don't they don't write their story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A lot of it, I think, is like self doubt or like yeah. they've had like professors or people around them tell them that they can't do it. Mm-hmm. So I mm-hmm. think that's if people would like put that in the back burner yeah. and just be like, hey, I can do it. Yeah. I think that would help. Even yeah. just like as an English major in general, so many people are like, yeah. well, what are you going to do with an English degree? Like, oh, yeah. you're never going to like be popular with your book or if you're going to write it or anything. Or you're so, not going to ever make money. But yeah. like, sometimes money is not what's important. It's right. about it's being about, happy. And yeah. getting your story told mm-hmm. and, and out in the world and everything. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So last question for today. Are you working on anything new at the moment? Mm-hmm. I just finished a project, actually, that um, won a poetry prize. Oh, so, wow. so cool. Congratulations. Yeah, that's yeah. Cool. So that's going to come out in, um, gosh, what month is it now? <laughs> April. April. Okay. It's going to come out soon. It's mm-hmm. either this end of this month or early in May. So, um, cool. so that'll, that'll come out, and it'll be really nice to have that out because I have been working on that for a couple of years. Um, and then I, I recently started, I'm in an artist collective mm-hmm. with three visual artists. Our, the name of our group is called Danger Punch and they're, um, all three of them are located on the West coast, but, um, so it's me and then three visual artists. And we started talking recently about this notion of nostalgia, mm-hmm. um, because there's a lot of nostalgia right now for the nineties. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I came of age sort of in the 90s so um I'm I'm like a very middle millennial in that I you know grew up in the 90s and also the early 2000s and um and so this group of friends and I we talk a lot about nostalgia and what it means to like be you know on Instagram but all of your ads are like for Jinko jeans I mean it's just yeah. such a weird time yeah. right yeah um So I recently started working on a collection of poems called 2004 Space Odyssey, which is about the year that I graduated high school. Um, And so I've been gathering memories from my friends about what they remember from the year 2004 and trying to, like, see what I can do with these memories because some of them are silly. It's like, you know... I remember scratching Britney Spears like CD and not being able to use it in the car. <laughs> Burning CD. traumatizing. <laughs> All the way to you know, I remember this um, horrible thing that happened the night before prom. You know, like just yeah. this this 
um, whole range of things. And so I'm trying to write those stories somehow. Mm -hmm. Um, And I don't know why I'm just, I'm like, I don't know if it's just my age or what, but I'm just really thinking a lot about high school. Yeah. (laughs) I have no idea what's going on with that. Clearly I have to like process some stuff. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> I've tried I, to just block it out. Right. Yeah. Uh, I'm not there yet. <laughs> and, you know, that's something that's a couple of people have said, you know, because I'm like, oh, wh- what are your memories of 2004? And they're like, Jenna, I try not to think of 2004. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, okay. So, um, I don't know. We'll see what happens. Mm-hmm. But that's kind of the project that I'm working on right now. And I don't know. Maybe it'll unearth some stuff. Yeah. About 2004. <laughs> I feel that would like, be really interesting. I feel like if I couldn't do that now, like about college, but like I'd like to like look back in like ten years and be yeah. like, wow, like this was my college experience because yeah. it was so like different yeah. than like my older sisters. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It would definitely be interesting as some sort of like flashback kind Hopefully of. Hopefully, we can continue the book birds, and then like in ten years, we'll have you back on, and then <laughs> yeah. we'll all discuss yeah. it. Oh, man, a reunion episode or something. Why not? Like, <laughs> exactly. Absolutely. Like, let's do it because you will be fascinated at some point by all of this, yeah. and you'll, you know, you'll want to remember it and think about it. And I don't know why. I think it's just the human condition. Yeah. Um. So. Yeah. Well, that sounds really interesting. I'm yes, it does. It does yeah. <laughs> and I'm so excited. Like, I haven't gotten your um, the COVID book yet, but I'm going to, and I'm happy to contribute to the food pantry yeah. back at the old yeah, school. That, I think that's yeah. a great cause. Yeah. Thanks, you all. Yeah, it's been one of those funny things because, you know, a lot of people in Illinois have been buying the book just because, you know, they're supporting me, yeah. but they're also interested in it. And it's just odd to think that, like, something on the West Coast is being supported by yeah. something in the Midwest, but yeah. I think it's good. I yeah. think that that's a good thing. Well, hopefully that's all so of our awesome. listeners can also yeah. Yeah. Like, buy a copy of the yeah. book to support the school. Yeah, yeah. really the hoping food that this gets a lot of traction yeah. and spreads awareness and everything. Yeah. That'd be very yeah. cool. Yeah. yeah. And like you were like, like you said earlier, I meant to mention this like first couple questions, but like you said that you had such a small part, but you were really like the glue that made that book possible. Mm-hmm. So like the students, yes, they all had a big part of it, but without you, there would be no book and there would be no help for the food pantry. So like, yeah. that's really great that you did that. Well, and it's really you. inspiring. Yeah. Thank you so it much. Is. Yeah. And I hope that other people feel like, oh, I could, I could do, you know, I could do something similar. It's not like we, um, you know, we knew we had an audience built in, so I, I never thought, okay, let's submit this to a publisher and, like, cross our fingers. Yeah. We submitted it to a self-publishing arm of a publisher, and it was out, you know? And, yeah. and so it's like, if you want your story out there and you want to do it on your own, just do it. Yeah. Um, you all know that. I mean, publishing is such a challenging field. It's yeah. hard. Um, and some voices come through and some never do. And so just get it out there in any way that feels right for you. Yeah, That's definitely something I always say in any paper yeah. for like class yeah. when they're like, what do you expect to do with your publishing degree? I'm like, I want to make those voices that aren't heard, mm-hmm. heard. Yeah. Like I yeah. want to get their voices yeah. out there. Yeah, Good for yeah. you. Well, we've loved having you on. Yes. Thank, yes. thank you so, so much. much for doing this. Thank you really all. Cool. This was really fun. Yeah. I'm so glad that I we finally were able. Yeah, to yeah. yeah. It was. Yeah, it was this really, was probably one of my favorite episodes. This was really interesting. Yeah, so cool. Yeah. yeah. <laughs>
and I feel like I've learned so much from you, and I haven't yeah, even taken, like, a I class, would. but <laughs> I wish I could now. I know. Our discussion, I thought, like, this was a really good discussion, yeah, too. It was, we, really it was so cool. Yeah. And I hope that, because we're graduating, but I would love to keep in contact. Yeah. And, and we're hoping to continue the book birds even when we're not yeah, here, we're so. trying to figure Great. something out, yeah. Awesome. We'd love to have you back on yeah, one day. for sure. All right, guys. Well, this was episode 21 of the podcast. Thank you again, Jenna, for coming on. Thank you. Um, We are the Book Birds with Jenna. My name's Marissa. (laughs) My name's Catherine. And my name's Kylie. See you next week.